Can Odio Guama keep things going with Victor Locken still out? Plus, what does Jeremiah Davenport have to do for this Bearcats team to get to where it wants to go? Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for starting your game day with us. This is Locked On Bearcats. We are, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Alex Frank, your host each and every day right here on Locked On Bearcats. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We have a very special guest today, someone whose work I've come to admire and really, really enjoy um, this past year. He is a columnist for the Bearcats, the Bengals, and Xavier from CLNS Media. <laughs> and, uh, Mike Petralia is my guest today. You can follow him on Twitter at Trags. He is fantastic covering the Bengals, Bearcats, and Xavier for Cincinnati. And he's also the host of the Jungle Roar Pod. Highly recommend checking that out. Mike, it's good to have you on. Um, great talking to you at the game on Saturday. You told me in halftime the two guys who should be scoring the ball for the Bearcats are Landers Nolly and Odio Guama. Second half, uh, what you said turned out to be <laughs> a profit. Wouldn't you uh, agree on that? Well, when you shoot nine for nine from the field, Alex, and I believe it was seven for seven in the second half, good things are going to happen. And they here's what I saw Saturday night, okay, against South Florida. They got Odie the, the ball in positions to score, which means around the basket, a low post around the basket. And the other thing Odie does, obviously using his side size, is he's a great rebounder. He's, he can really get in there, uh, get work on the offensive glass, and get some easy putbacks. And that's really what Wes Miller wants him to do. You know, Get in the paint, be that enforcer that the Bearcats really lost in Victor Locking going down. They want somebody down low with Lock out uh, to take over those responsibilities. And I thought Odie was great on Saturday night, uh, really um, getting the most out of his opportunity. Do you think he can continue that? Have you heard anything about Victor Locken playing tonight against East Carolina? It is a road game. Wes Miller said after the game Saturday that um, he was hopeful that he was going to be able to play tonight. What have you heard? And if he can't go, can Odio Guama continue to be that force in the uh, the front court for the Bearcats? You know, they keep that news pretty uh, tight to the vest, and that's understandable, Alex. I, I think it was Wes after the game also saying he was going to call him incessantly day yeah. after day after day to say, can you go, can you go, can you go? And eventually uh, he's going to get a yes out of Victor Locken. But I don't think they want to really force it yet until that ankle is 100%. Um, I think it's a good sign, I would say, Alex, that uh, the Bearcats and Wes Miller are pointing towards his eventual return, hopefully before the AAC tournament uh, down in Fort Worth. They really do need him back. Yeah. And I am of the belief if they have their full complement of players, Alex, I think they can make a run at the NCAA tournament. Now, I understand all of the net rankings, all of the Ken Palm rankings are working against them. They don't have a quad one win, which is a problem. And they need to get a quad one win. They would have had a quad two win had they hung on uh, in New Orleans uh, yeah. and not lost in overtime last week. That would have been a really important win for their resume. Uh, but I think if they get 
up around 23 wins, and they can get to the AAC final. Um, and let's say they lose to Houston. Let's, and we don't know how the seedings are going to, uh, you know, wash out in the top four of the AAC going into the tournament yet. But if that scenario unfolds and the Bearcats get to that final game and, um, you know, present themselves or represent themselves well uh, as a, a viable NCAA tournament te- team with the field being completely wide open this year, I think they have a shot at getting into the tournament. Okay, so that leads me to this, because you mentioned their potential make a run in the AAC tournament. Right now, if the tournament started, the Bearcats would be at the time of this recording, rather, they'd be the four seed. So that means you're going to face Houston in the semifinals. That means, right. Yeah, the goal, I think, is to avoid them until the championship game. That would mean getting to that 2-3 line. The problem is this. You're a game and a half behind Memphis and, I believe, Temple. So... That's yeah, Memphis and Temple. That's going to be a challenge. So Memphis and Temple. Let me confirm that real quick. But sure, let me ask, let me ask you this: If they face Houston a third time, given what we saw just two and a half weeks ago, could this team beat the Cougars given a third shot? Yes, if everything falls right, and I mean everything. If David DeJulius has ten assists and one turnover or less, uh, plays that kind of perfect game. Uh, obviously, you know, you're talking about, uh, Landers Nolly having to put up, I think a double, double in a, in a game like that. You're talking about obviously Jeremiah Davenport doing what he did on uh, Saturday night and Odio Guama doing what he did. Victor Locken being healthy. When, when you put all of those names into the bag and all of those guys perform at the level they're capable of performing. Sure, they have a shot. But again, uh, I don't think there's a lot of margin for error when you're talking about uh, going in and trying to beat Houston. The one thing I would say, Alex, is that game would be on a neutral court. Yes, a lot of Houston fans would be there, but it wouldn't be in Houston. It would not be as intimidating. And even in Houston, the Bearcats almost pulled off that kind of upset. If you put them on a neutral court and everything, um, you know, really breaks the Bearcats way. They could pull off the upset. David DeJulius in his last five games, three of those games, he's had nine assists. He's averaging. Uh, it, it's ridiculous. I think he has 42 assists Correct. in his last five games. That's an average of 8.25 per game. He's third in the, he's in the top five in the conference in assists per game at just over five. He's third in the conference, 131 assists total. By the way, those standings, uh, Memphis and Tulane are currently tied for second. Memphis and Tulane both nine and three in the American. Uh, Tulane, though, Mike, they have um, the tiebreaker because they've swept Memphis. So we've talked about um, Odio Guama and what he can do, how the Bearcats could beat Houston if they get another shot. Let's go to another player who I, I'm gonna, I think you can agree with me on this, Mike very polarizing, and that's Jeremiah Davenport. But Saturday was one of his better games. And someone said to me during the game, when JD is open, that's when he should be shooting. Well, by my count, and I rewatched the game, by my count, if you look at the 13 shots Davenport took on Saturday, six of them were open. Now, the good news is he made six shots. He was four of nine from three. So what does he need to do? for this team, for this Bearcats team to get to where they want to go um, in the rest of the regular season, the conference tournament, and then maybe the NCAA tournament. 
two things move without the ball to get those open looks from beyond the arc and i mean really open looks and secondly get involved in the fast break and be more aggressive getting out um you know if he doesn't rebound the ball for instance he needs to be flying down the court and get easy baskets because the one thing that can turn anybody's confidence around especially with a scorer even if he's a perimeter scorer or a shooter like jeremiah davenport is is to get easy baskets you get easy baskets you're starting to score then you feel okay i've got that part of my game in i've got you know like double digits uh on the point in the point total now I can start feeling more comfortable from beyond the arc. That's just a scorer's mentality. And I think Jeremiah Davenport, as part of that answer to that question, Alex, he needs to develop a scorer's mentality, not a shooter's mentality. Mm. And coaches have, have told me that before. And Doc Rivers was one of the first I ever heard mention that when he was coaching the Celtics. You need to score the ball. You don't need to shoot the ball necessarily uh, from from distance. And uh, I think that's one thing that would really help a guy like Jeremiah Davenport. Interesting. Good stuff here from Mike Petralia from CLNS media, a scores mentality versus a shooter's mentality. <laughs> and uh, there, there's that new England background drags. Uh, you, you, you're bringing doc rivers and I have a lot of respect for uh, Boston sports. I really do. They, uh, when you consider the success they've had, but uh Good stuff here. I'm going to ask you your overall assessment of this team. 26 games. Hard to believe we're already 26 games right. into the season. Plus, I've got a question about Wes Miller that I feel like everybody is in the majority of, and I'm going to see if you are as well. We'll get to that after I tell our listeners how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season, speaking of Doc Rivers, the midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bigger pe- your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no- your your excuse me. Your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks again for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Alex Frank here with Mike Petralia of CLNS Media, a columnist for the Bengals, the Bearcats, and that other team in Cincinnati. I'll say their name, the Xavier Musketeers. So, Trax, let me ask you this. Um, 26 games into the season, Bearcats 17-9, and 8-5 and five in the American. I think they're much improved 
from last year. Do you agree with that? And just kind of give me your overall assessment of where this team's at, what you like, what you don't like, 26 games into the season. I think they are improved, Alex. They are more often than not this year as opposed to last year beating teams they should beat. They have had hiccups, uh, but usually those hiccups come against the better teams. And you can kind of live with that. Again, Wes Miller in his second uh, full season uh, at Clifton is trying to instill some consistency in the program and really building consistency begins with beating teams, lesser teams, certainly on your home court and getting a few road wins against lesser or getting all of those road wins against lesser teams. You're going to have your moments where you just struggle against teams that are deeper and really more critically, I think, Alex, more experienced than yours is. And I think that's where, you know, Wes has struggled with his team at times because he hasn't had as much experience out on that court as he would like guys playing together for an extended period of time. And, you know, I think we are starting to see the team come together later in the season. They still have hiccups. The first half against uh, South Florida on Saturday night was not pretty. They played defensively okay, uh, but offensively you saw guys kind of playing hero ball, um, you know, doing playing one-on-two, one-on-three at times, and that can't happen. They had defensive breakdowns in the final 90 seconds of the first half, and it gave Wes a great opportunity at halftime Saturday to kind of reset the mentality of his team. And I think that started really with – Jeremiah Davenport and went on down the line. He actually kind of railed into uh, and leaned heavy on Jeremiah Davenport uh, midway through the first half when uh, JD was uh, looking to get a call, went to the floor, complained, and yeah. as soon as JD came off the court, Wes Miller got into his uh, got in his face and says, "That's not the way we need you playing." I remember asking uh, JD that question after the game Saturday night. You can be better than that. We need you to be better than that. And I thought, really, for the last thirty minutes of that game uh, the other night, Jeremiah Davenport was a difference maker. So I do think you're starting to see. Uh, some of the players who have been on the roster a while uh, starting to improve as the season uh, progresses. You did not see that last year. I don't think last year's team uh, really progressed or, or got better, significantly better as the season went along this year. I think that's different. Yeah, it's interesting and some great points there again, Mike. I, I remember Wes Miller saying that on Saturday, how he railed into Jeremiah Davenport during that game. And I watched the game again and I saw Davenport, yeah, I think it was twice actually complained about calls um, at our end of the floor uh, where press row is inside fifth third arena. And I also um, at halftime, Kelsey Conway, your colleague, um, fellow Bengals beat writer at the Cincinnati Enquirer, but she also is ESPN plus sideline reporter for Bearcat. That's games. a great and, job, by the way, I might add. Really? Do, oh, she's incredible. I, I mean, you talk about coming in Absolutely. seamlessly from Georgia and the work she does. So she, and she's a UC alum too, so that doesn't help, or that does help, excuse me. So she asks Wes Miller, and here's the interview, Russ. I'm sorry, did I just call you Russ? Mike, um, I'm, so used to, I'm so used to having Russ on the show. Um, so she asked Wes Miller at halftime, what do you need to do better? Or like, give me your assessment of the first half. What do you need to do better in the second half sort of thing? And Wes goes this, defend a whole lot better and every other way. Boom, goodbye, interview over. <laughs> I mean, to say the least, Wes Miller knew what this team needed to do. And then in the second half, they did. So and now a lot of that, I think, is David DeJulius. And yeah. your scorers versus shooters mentality, the Julius, I think, kind of has that. But even when he's not scoring, 
the way he can impact the game to me, Mike, is dish out nine assists, sit down and defend, inspire a team to defend. Are you seeing him impacting the game in more ways than just scoring? Because we know him as a scorer. He's but first of all, he's I think he's their preeminent leader on the team. I think, you know, as he goes, so go the Bearcats. And, you know, I don't think it's um any mistake or you know, I don't think it's any coincidence, I should say, in the Tulane game when things really went off the rails uh in overtime, he got ejected. He, you know, he was uh picked up the technicals. And, you know, that kind of coincided with the, the Bearcats kind of having things completely melt down uh, at the end of overtime. But when things are going really well, DeJulius is running the ship. There is no question about that. And I think everybody on that floor looks to David DeJulius for leadership. I think at his best, he is a distributor. Uh, he also takes very good care of the basketball. Uh, he was a big reason, you know, the Bearcats way back in uh, December were able to make that rally late in the game against Xavier and force overtime. He was a big part of that. And I think, you know, one thing we have to keep in mind is if David DeJulius can get these guys into good scoring positions, they have a chance to beat anybody. I really do believe that. Uh, but the problem is they have to defend a lot better than they have been uh, throughout the course of the season. They have to defend a lot more consistent, consistently, I should say. I, I agree with you on that. I, I still think for as good of an offensive team as this is, it's certainly better to watch than last year's team was. But they do need to play better defensively. I would say uh, in key moments, Mike, you mentioned the two-lane game on Tuesday. Now, did you... What did you make of the Julius Gant ejected from that game? Obviously, emotions were high. You lose emotional. Two, okay, you lose two of your best players. Now, I at first my reaction was, why is your leader getting ejected off a technical foul? He started that melee towards the end of the game, but then I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? That's your leader who knows he's not coming sure. back next year. That was a highly emotional game for anyone yes. who watched it. Um, so I, I kind of eventually just said, okay, whatever, move on. Um, as far as Wes Miller, and I think a lot of fans, a lot of media members that I talked to and hear from, including you, you say, and I've said this before, you think that Wes Miller is the right man for the job. Do you agree with that? The right man to lead this program into the big 12 years beyond their, just their first season, in the big 12. Is he the right guy, Mike, for this job? Yes, I do believe he is. I think he's he knows the critical importance of recruiting. I think he understands the NIL component heading into the Big 12. I think he's going to get all of that down. Remember, Alex and Bearcat Nation out there listening to and watching Locked On Bearcats, he yeah. had over four, 200 wins before the age of 40. He is the youngest active coach with that many wins over uh, 200 wins uh, before the age of 40 that there is in Division One college basketball. The guy knows how to win. That, to me, does mean something, Alex. And I think you see, you see brought in somebody who has been in winning environments before. We know his background at UNC uh, Wilmington. We, uh, we know what he can. And he obviously played for a national champion uh, with Tyler Hansborough, as he reminded us after the game the other night. Um you know, he has a winning DNA, and I think UC knows that, and he's young. I think he can relate with the players, and most of all, when you see Wes 
getting into a game and coach he coaches hard he coaches really hard on the sideline i'd rather have that and tell the guy in in sometimes occasionally you got to tune it down you got to pull back a little yeah. bit you'd much rather have that kind of coach than you would somebody who you wonder if he's connecting with his players and the bearcats have had those before too uh i Firmly believe Wes is the right guy, but he has gone through growing pains. He'll probably still have to go through growing pains. I don't think the end of the Tulane game was his best shining moment. I think both of us, you know, on this podcast would agree with that. That when you're up 83 76 uh, with whatever it was, three minutes to go, uh, and your team is shooting three pointers, there's a problem. Yeah. You, you can't have that. You need to be more disciplined, work the clock, have the ball in the hands of DeJulius more, and, and tell David, look, you don't need to be throwing up three-pointers with 10 seconds to go on the shot clock. That's not what they need or needed that night. And I think, you know, it was a growing po point for the team. I think it was a growing moment for Wes as a head coach of this team. Uh, but I do definitely believe he is the right coach going forward into the Big 12 because you're going to have to need you're going to have to have a head coach who is the driving force of the program going into a conference like that. Interesting points you bring up there. And I feel like a lot of people, when Wes Miller said on Saturday, you bring up a great point there, Mike, about him playing with Tyler Hansborough. That's something that when he was hired, I was really excited about having played at a blue blood. I don't, I, I mean, I don't care if you're a starter like Tyler Hansborough was who ended up being a lottery pick or, I mean, just, I mean, the last guy off the bench, Wes Miller played for North Carolina. Wes Miller played for Roy Williams. Wes Miller was part of a national championship team that played in a lot of intense games on college basketball's biggest stage. He played in college basketball's best rivalry. I'm sorry um, for any Bearcat fan listening to this and any Xavier fan out there. North Carolina and Duke is the best college basketball rivalry, and I'm not afraid to, to say that's my yeah, opinion. Clearly it he, is. I mean, oh, I mean, yeah. Questioning that. Yeah. It, uh, okay, but, but that's a show for another day. But what I'm saying is, Mike, you bring in a guy who had won – at the level that West Miller, and, and yes, he, I mean, he only had coaching experience at UNC Greensboro, which I mean, yes, is still very, very good. It's, it's not like, you know, you're going from G5 to power five, although you are now. So it's essentially like he is climbing the ladder here, go from UNC Greensboro to Cincinnati G5 to the power five level. So I'm really excited to see. Um, and what's interesting to me is you look at the USF game Saturday and you mentioned Mike, the growing, the growing moment from that two lane game. Okay. Well, your first game after that without Victor Lockett and Rob Finnessy, you're down four at the half to a USF team that, let's be honest, isn't very good. I think they play really hard, and their game show uh, throughout the season and their play on Saturday in the first half most certainly showed that. But that could have been a breaking point of this season. Instead, yeah, it, galvan it galvanized Cincinnati. You know, I look at the scoreboard, and I'm like, they're down four to this team? Really? And then next thing you know, they're up by 20 at the end of the game. It's like, oh, well, you know, talk about a reversal of fortune there. So great points there. Um, NIL, another head coach of Cincinnati, knows a thing or two about that. Scott Satterfield, Mike, I'm going to ask you about the Bearcats football program two-plus months after Scott Satterfield was hired and what constitutes success for you, in your opinion, in 2023. That after a word from two of our sponsors. Lockdown Bearcats is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Alex Frank, joined by CLNS columnist, that rolls off the tongue nicely, CLNS Mike Petralia, covers the Bearcats, Xavier, and the Bengals for CLNS. So, Mike, you've covered Bearcats. 
2004. That's how we first actually got to know each other when you were covering the Bearcats football games from Cincinnati, and I was uh, living down south in Macon, Georgia. So two months in, on Scott Satterfield. Well, I think he's going to be, in in talking with people uh, inside the program, uh, close to Scott and coach uh, close to Coach Satterfield, um, I think he's going to be given every opportunity to get his people in to recruit. He was well-liked uh, at Louisville. Um, he took over a, a situation that was very, at times, untenable, uh, very difficult, uh, and he made the best of it, uh, getting, obviously, his team to a bowl game this past year. He got the program headed in the right direction with a lot of uh, roadblocks in his way down in Louisville. Yeah. And I think that is probably why you see and John Cunningham, the athletic director, liked him so much is because he had uh, overcome some obstacles in his career, in his recent career coaching. And I think that's going to uh, give him that or it gives the Bearcats athletic department the foundation of belief that, well, if he overcame that, we've got a lot more. Uh, infrastructure in place here as we head into the Big 12 than he, and support than he probably did at Louisville already in the ACC at the time. Uh, I think he's going to be the man for the job. I am curious to see what they do with the quarterback situation because, look, and I think you would agree with this, in college football, as big as the quarterback position is in the NFL, it's even bigger in college football, and they are going to need somebody at that position to drive the program and that is why, you know, the Bearcats really succeeded under Luke Fickle because he was able to answer that question in a resounding manner yes. uh, and really carry the, the Bearcats program at that position uh, to that next level. That was certainly, you know, not the only reason, but it was a big part of it. And may I also um, correct myself? from yeah. earlier in the pod when I said uh, UNC Wilmington. I know it's UNC Greensboro. That, hey, that, there's, a lot uh, of, there's a lot of them down there. Yeah, there are. But I know that's where West Miller yeah. came from. I just no, want no. to be on the record correcting yes. myself because I always like to correct myself when I'm wrong. Yes. So there I, you go. I respect that. And side note, Mike, you bring up, you bring up something really memorable for me. So I remember um, standing in Mio. Have you had Mio's Pizzeria in, in your t- travels to Clifton? Mio's Pizzeria. I have not, but I have uh, heard many, many great things about it. It is incredible. Okay, so so I remember, and you bring up Luke Fickle and the quarterbacks, and that's why they had so much success under Fickle. So I remember standing in the upstairs room at Mio's Pizzeria on September first. Yeah, September first of twenty eighteen. Bearcats season opener at UCLA. No one's really giving the Bearcats a chance to go to the Rose Bowl and win. And all of a sudden, Luke Fickle, no hesitation, pulls the trigger, yanks Hayden Moore for Desmond Ritter. And Mike, the next four years, (laughs) I think that move contributed big time. I do too. I remember watching that game uh, back in Boston and going, whoa, they are uh, on the verge and obviously would pull it out, beating Chip Kelly's UCLA Bruins team in the Rose Bowl. It it was a pretty monumental moment for Luke Fickle. Turning point of his time at Cincinnati. And what's interesting to me is I remember reading something that Pete Thamel of now ESPN uh, wrote. I think this was in the middle of last year. So Pete Thamel had like unprecedented inside access to the Bearcats program the week leading up to the Indiana game. And Luke Fickle talked about the importance 
this actually might have been in The Athletic too. Justin Williams, our colleague for the Bearcats, wrote, but Luke Fickle understood the relationship between head coach and quarterback. Yes, he was a defensive-minded guy, but he understood, hey, the quarterback-head coach relationship is ultimately what's going to drive this team. And you're not only seeing that with the Bearcats, you're seeing that with Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor. I'm sure you can attest to that, having covered the Bengals for CLNS. So, and let me ask you this right now. Who is your money on to be the Bearcats' starting quarterback in 2023? Well, without names, give me the names in front of me. Okay. All right. So we've got Ben Bryant, who's back for his sixth season of college football. Yep. He started last year, up and down season. I think it was better than some give him credit for. Evan Prater, who we're just waiting for him to live up to his potential that he came in with. Emory Jones, transfer from Arizona State, dual threat quarterback, has four years of starting experience. You've got Brady Lichtenberg. You've got Brady Drogosh, a four-star freshman from Michigan. So the good thing about it, Mike, this year is to me, there are more names. So it's not going to be one or the other like it was last year, Brian or Prater. So based on I those. I like Ben Bryant, and I like the way he threw the ball for most of the season for the last, right. let's say, seven games of the season I, until he got hurt. Um, you know, if he does not get hurt, I think – you know, perhaps that certainly the uh, Tulane game at the end of the season, day after Thanksgiving, I believe it was, I think yeah. that game, you know, could definitely have turned out differently. I mean, do you not agree? Well, when you say the game could have turned out differently, I think we'd be in a different situation right now, potentially, um, because if the Bearcats win that game, okay, they go to the AAC championship, Fickle stays. Now, does he ultimately go to Wisconsin still? Who knows? I Maybe think he does. He does. I, I okay. really do think – I think he's gone. And Interesting. I think, and I and the reason I, I, I say that, Alex, is because I think of the NIL element, and I think, you know, that is the concern for John Cunningham and the Bearcats going forward, both in football and basketball. Are they going to be organized enough are they going to be able to recruit, uh, excuse me, uh, raise enough money to get that NIL money to the, the point they're going to need to have it to be to compete in the Big 12? That is, you know, the, yeah. the 64, literally $64 million question that the Bearcats are going to have to uh, answer. And it's, you know, why you see those promos up on the video board during, you know, the second media timeout in the second half the other night. You know, you're going to see a lot of that. Uh, going forward for the Bearcats. They are going to have to get NIL money to get those, you know, four and five star quarterbacks to even consider coming to UC. Absolutely. And in the modern age of college football, again, I think Luke Fickle did a lot of great things for this university. I will forever believe that, but that doesn't mean the Bearcats were going to win and be successful, not only on the field, but in other areas of college athletics and college football in the big 12. So the 2023 schedule, Mike is out. First Big 12 schedule. I think you have to say that the Bearcats got a favorable draw. You avoid Texas. You avoid TCU. You avoid Kansas State. You get Oklahoma at home. You get BYU out of the way in September as opposed to November when it could be freezing cold out there. I think you have to say that the Bearcats got a favorable draw with their schedule. Now, what constitutes a successful season for you, Mike, in 2023? If we're being realistic, probably a winning record in the Big 12. Ooh. If we're being realistic, maybe three games over 500 if you want to be really, really optimistic. But given where, well, given the fact that 
Scott Satterfeld is coming into a first-year situation. There's a lot of roster turnover. There's a lot of uncertainty about the roster. And there is obviously still a a degree of uncertainty at the quarterback, though I still think it's Ben Bryant. Um, You know, to go into the Big 12 your first season at that level of competition and have a winning record uh, football-wise to me would be a victory for Coach Satterfeld. Winning record in the Big 12, you got nine games. That means you got to win five. Right now, I got the Bearcats going six and three in the Big 12. That might be a little untenable. But at the same time, I do – I and I really think – I was going to bring this up earlier, Mike. Here's the thing about Scott Satterfield and the fact that I've been told he's going to be – he's going to be able to do some great things offensively. So to, to put what he walked into at Louisville in perspective, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, he took over the first season after Louisville's first season without Lamar Jackson. Louisville in 2018 offensively dropped 200 yards a game offensively. They were 2-10. and 10. And yet in 2019, when Scott Satterfield took over, with an offensive line that ranked tied for 127th in sacks allowed, the Louisville Cardinals went up almost 100 yards per game offensively, despite allowing all those sacks. You know what that tells me? You, you want a running quarterback. He wants a running quarterback because if that's okay, and, and we don't know, we don't know the status of, of the you know starting offensive line for the Bearcats next year and what how that's going to materialize. If he feels that they have a very a, a good offensive line that's capable of protecting the quarterback consistently, then maybe it's Ben Bryant. If not, then maybe you do see more of a, a triple threat type of uh, yeah. a quarterback uh, calling signals. I just think about what Malik Cunningham did at Louisville and Satterfield's four years there. And that's why I think you're going to end up seeing a dual threat quarterback. Mike Petralia, kind enough to join me today here on Lockdown Bearcats. You can follow him on Twitter at Trags. He is a CLNS columnist for the Bearcats, Xavier, and the Bengals. Mike, will you be at the Bearcats game next Wednesday? A huge game for the Bearcats against the Temple Owls next Wednesday. Will you be at that game? I will be indeed. All right. We'll look forward to seeing you there, Mike. I mean, you, 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 you're probably keeping busy now. You got the Bearcats. Xavier's chasing down a Big East title. And you've got the combine coming up. So big stuff coming up. Big stuff coming up from Mike Petralia. CLNS Media. You can follow his work there at clnsmedia.com. Trags, thanks so much for joining me today. And uh, I'll talk to you next Wednesday, all right? I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. Mike Petralia from CLNS Media. Best wishes to him and his family. And we thank you very much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. How about for your second listen, you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape, Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an ATI. Instagram, excuse me, Alex Frank underscore an email, Alex 3 Frank at Gmail, excuse me, dot com. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I enjoyed the game tonight at ECU. Later today, Russ Heltman and I back for a live room at 1230, which I think is going to be in podcast form on Thursday. Of course, when we preview the game, you'll know that the game already happened. I'll have a recap of the game up on my Twitter feed, so you can look forward to that. So much more to get to this week. Trags gave me some interesting things to talk about, including 
Does Ben Bryant actually have a chance to win a starting quarterback job? We'll talk about that later this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Lockdown Bearcats, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the Bearcats game tonight. I'll say the Bearcats get it done at ECU, although it's going to be an emotional night as the Pirates play their first home game following the passing of their longtime radio voice, Jeff the Voice Charles. So that's going to be an emotional night in Greenville, North Carolina. But I think the Bearcats do get it done tonight. I will say final score 74 to 63. Bearcats will get it done. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'll be back tomorrow right here and later today at 1230 with Russ Helman in our live room right here on Lockdown Bearcats.